It is great to have you on the Family Goals podcast with Davey Pollock and Pastor Jay. I'm Joel and House, and on this podcast, we want to encourage you to grow closer to God, to strengthen your marriage, and to inspire your family to reach its highest potential. I would like to highlight a ministry that I have loved for years, Compassion International. Compassion is an incredible organization that is all about releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. They currently serve over 2 million children and their families in some of the most poverty-stricken areas of the world, and here is my favorite part. All of this is happening in the local church. Compassion is all about equipping the local church so every single child is cared for by the leaders in their community. As a pastor, I found Compassion to be a strategic part of our global mission strategy. As a church, we've incorporated Compassion into our focus on Honduras. Compassion made it easy for everyone in our church to put their faith in action by caring for a child in need. I would encourage anyone listening to learn more about Compassion, sponsor a child, and release them from poverty in Jesus' name. Visit Compassion.com slash Family Goals to sponsor a child today. Today, Davey and Pastor Jay discuss the difference between teaching your kids and training your kids in the way of the Lord. Take a listen. So Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, should not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we're to raise our kids in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's talk about instruction first. I think there's two separate things, instruction and training. So let's talk about instruction. Because when I think about instruction, I'm thinking teaching. Okay. And teaching is the transfer of information. Like it's, let let me read Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, And these things which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And so I'm thinking the first thing there is is teaching our children, and we, we talked about this previously, but the Word of God. Like how are we teaching them and and the instruction here is uh, not only do we impress the word of God in our hearts, but we're to diligently teach them to our kids. So I'm trying to figure out, so what's the difference between the two then? Teaching and training? Teaching, yeah, teaching and training. I think teaching is, is transferring information like like, I got that. Teaching is training and transferring information, studying scripture, memorizing scripture, equipping them. Now, what are you the, saying instruction would be? Instruction would be showing them how to do okay. it. So, right. it'd so be teaching one, and modeling. Yeah, so so like getting get back to the jump shot thing, it'd be one thing to explain what a jump shot is and transfer of information, and it, but it's another thing to go show them yep. and, and model it for them. So to me, it'd be, and by the way, I don't, I don't think this doesn't, this to me doesn't work without both. Like we can, I think we can teach all we want to our kids, but if we don't model and we don't do, I don't think they're going to listen. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think do as I say, not as I do is it works. I just don't (laughs) think it works. I don't think it works. (laughs) I I know there's some people they'll say, you know, do as I say this, the generation of kids we have nowadays, man, I don't, I just don't, I don't think that works. I, I don't think they will respect you. I don't think they'll do things you say. So, you know, I, I, I like what you're saying and it's no different because guess what? When you show me how to shoot a jump shot and you knock down Jays consistently, I'm like, dang, this dude knows what he's talking about. When you show me how to walk a walk, 
when you show me how to live your life and you show me how to handle difficult situations, difficult people, when you show me that, I'm all in, bro. Like, that hits me a lot harder than you telling me something. And it, and it may be as we show them and model for them, then they're more open to hearing the instruction. A hundred percent. Because then they, then they see the difference. They got, you got credibility. I mean, no. just like anything else, when you're, when you're learning, okay, I don't, want to, I don't want this to sound rude by any stretch, or, but it's me, so it might be taken that way. Just, it's like anything else. Like if you're learning to diet, you want to learn from somebody who's fit as crud. Like exercise, <laughs> you want to learn from somebody who's shredded and yoked. Like yeah. you don't want to, hey, do this exercise and learn from somebody who's really out of shape and really not in great shape and doesn't really, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I think anything you do or anything you study, you're in business. Like your boss is super successful. I, I want to learn from them. How do they become super successful? Like I think they go, they absolutely are going to go hand in hand. You build that credibility with people because you've done, you're doing it. You're showing it. You're successful at it and when you're successful at it other people want to know what makes you different yeah why are you successful at it, it was, I, didn't, I didn't use different analogies there i use different terms and loose like nice terms there instead of well it was <laughs> i had an image in my mind of this overweight out of shape <laughs> personal trainer at the gym showing up like Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do some working out today, and I've seen a few of those. Yeah, I'm like, I what's just think, that I, dude doing training? I people? think it's hard to get people to listen to to somebody because you know, just it's it's no different with coaches, man, in the football. Like, I was always like, you know, you know, you got somebody that's trying to tell you to push through things and do things hard, and if you know they've done it, I think it makes it easier to accept it. But I love the difference between the two, but they don't they go hand in hand, and I think mm-hmm. it's a lot easier it's it's always easier to take teaching when you know that person has learned it has walked it has done it has been successful at it now I think people are a lot more inclined to to do it I meant I mentioned this on Sunday but our families should look way different than the rest of the world like if if we're if we're living by the word of God which we which we we say that we are we're trying God's way is completely different than the rest of the world. And, and I joked around about um, it doesn't mean our kids are going to look like Alaskan bush people, home, homeschool-looking type kids, but there should be something very different about them than the rest of the world because we're putting God first. We're, we're following his word. We're, we're, and most of the world is not. I mean, most of the wor- world is on the broad road that leads to destruction. Most of the world is not putting Christ at the center of their family, the center of their marriage, the center of their kids. I mean, I'm with all these eighth grade kids every week and, you know, I'm with my son who's an eighth grader. You know, I, I obviously in the middle school, I teach the, the eighth grade group and we do small group and, you know, that's a, that's always a big topic with them is how do we, like, how do we look different? How do we act mm. different? How we do talk we talk about that with the kids? We talk about it all the time that's and we awesome. talk about how hard it is because they'll tell you like, it's, it's difficult because they will get made fun of. They're not going to be like if you're if you're different, you're not going to be popular. Amen. I mean, but uh, you're not going to be the kid like that. Everybody's that everybody wants to come to, or everybody puts up on this pedestal. You're not going to be that kid. But I know one thing: like if you live your life, like I, I think it's it's interesting with with Nicholas. 
Nicholas is such a different kid, and he's so sweet, and he's nice. He's a good kid, but he's not outgoing. You know, he's not overly outgoing. He doesn't get in other people's business. He doesn't care about other people's business. Like, he's not going to, you know, overstep his bounds. So, like, he's going to be a kid that people get along with, but a lot of people aren't going to know. They're not going to get to know him Mm -hmm. real well because he's kind of standoffish and he's kind of shy, which is just like me. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, Just like his mama. You know, he's just, just, Mm -hmm. that's how he is. But, you know, he also doesn't, you know, doesn't criticize people. He also kind of has a good temperament for everybody and and it doesn't bother him. I, I think, honest to goodness, if I think if you walked up to Nicholas and punched him in the face, I, I'm not sure he'd punch him back. I'm really not mm-hmm. sure. And we talked about that the other night. I'm like, has one of the kids at the school gotten a, a little altercation, a little fight? Well, he hit me. You know, he hit me from behind with a with a stick. You know, and he hit, I was like, yeah? What does that mean? And, and, and I, honest to God, here's, here's a part, this is full circle right back to you. I think there is an absolutely... A lot of dads that say, if somebody hits you, you defend yourself. I bet you 80% of dads, maybe 90% of dads. Oh, yeah. Maybe, that's maybe what more. That's you were taught growing up. If somebody hits you, you need to defend yourself. And that's not what I would say to my kids. What would you say? I, I, fighting is the last option. Mm-hmm. Hitting somebody is the last option. Like, if you can't, if, if somebody, if it's constant and somebody won't leave you alone and they're, and they're continually physical with you, like that's your that's your last option to me like otherwise we're supposed to and our big message you know last night um you know preaching to the kids the other or preaching to the kids the other night it was on anger and and my big thing was it was what how did jesus handle anger because again that's our blueprint that's our model you look in you look in matthew look look in john jesus was very upset they were turning his house, you know, turning his temple, his father's house. Mm-hmm. They were selling, you know, animals and trading, doing the coins and all that stuff. And, and he got upset. But what did Jesus do? He turned over tables. He got upset. But, and then it says he fastens a whip. Well, if I fasten a whip, Pastor Jay, does that, is that. take some time to do it. That's going to take some time. Yeah. And while that's taking some time, what do you think I'm doing? I'm cooling down. Yeah. I'm not flying off the handle. Like, I'm, I'm cooling down, but Jesus fastened a whip, but then he didn't take it too far. Anger is an emotion. Anger is something we're going to feel, but anger is not sin. We turn it into sin because we use that fuel for negative and just teaching them, like, what, how, how do we stop? How do we pause? How do we look at the situation? Because a lot of times it's a situation that didn't need to be a situation. A lot of times it's an accident. But what's our pride gets in our way really quickly and we get hurt. So what do we do? We hurt, you know, we get, when we, when something happens to us, we immediately want to, you know, come back and try to make things, something happen to you. And that's not how Jesus did it. That's not how we're called. So that's going to be very controversial with people. And Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. That's going to be very controversial. People, uh-uh, you need to be a man. You need to be tough. Like, I don't think that's what a tough man looks like. I don't think Nicholas is a tough kid because you're going to go punch somebody or, you know, I just, I, that's not how I look at it. Um, I think that's a great example of how our kids should look differently and how, how our kids are different than the rest of the world. And Jesus said, turn the other cheek where everybody else is saying, Hey, if somebody hits you, you you hit them back, you know, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, quote in the old Testament, be a man, be a, that's what you're supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to do. I don't, that's not the man. Yeah. 
I mean, that's. I think one of the one of the huge mistakes that I see with with some of these parents, and and I would definitely kind of lead more on the on the female side of things, but I feel like a lot of moms want their kids to be in the cool crowd, like they want they want their kids to be just moms. Well, maybe, maybe dads too, yeah. but. I never wanted my kids to be in the cool crowd because <laughs> if because if they're in the cool crowd, well, they're probably doing the things that the cool crowd is doing. That's except you know, and so I would I think that's a huge mistake moms are making. But maybe dads too, but uh, you really don't want your kids in the cool crowd. You want your kids to be different, not weird per se, but maybe that maybe they maybe they would think they're weird. I think a dating is a huge thing. Phones. Talking about turning turning the other cheek, like like our kids dating should look way different than the than the world's way of dating, because you know, the world the world's way of dating is get, get as far as you can get, you, do what feels good. Yeah, that's what that's what the world's kick, kick the tires, t- take it on a test drive. Yep, I think um, I think that's a tough. I think that's a tough subject for a lot of parents and um, because I think a lot of parents just want so desperately for their kids to have certain things. And, I, and I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I, I want Nicholas to have a lot of fun and I'm not worried about Leah. <laughs> She's have plenty of fun. Like I, I have to prompt Nicholas to have people over and I have to prompt Nicholas to like do, do things and, and go have fun and go spend time with people. It's the right people. And, 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 and here's one thing too, by the way, this is one thing that I've learned and, and I'll be very interested to see how you take this. Okay. So I'm so concerned with what Nicholas does. I'm so concerned with who he spends time with. So one of the things that I've really found is I've limited who he's allowed to hang out with. Like we all do. Well, we also limit the contact with people that need to be around good kids and need to be around good people. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think we, we're not doing our job helping influencing people being good uh being good mentors or leaders to other kids so i've tried to prompt him to be social and be social and be social well what i've learned is and what i've tried to do is okay if if you're gonna have three or four or five six people over which i'm fine with be social have fun kick it go go do whatever man do do kids crap whatever it is like just go do it what we've tried to do is okay He's got a couple of friends, man, that are absolutely rock solid. They have unbelievable relationship with Jesus. They're great kids. Those kids need to be there. Those two to three to four kids need to be there. Now you can bring a couple other kids. Now bring, now bring one or two other, not the majority. Bring one or two other along with you that I think we can help influence in a positive way. But, you know, it's a tough dynamic. It's a tough, you know, uh, battle between, you know, like who do you want them around? How much do you want them around? But at the same time being a good influence, but you know, back to the original, I think I want my son to be social. I want him to enjoy high school. I want him to enjoy middle school, but that doesn't mean I want him to be popular. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean I want him to do what everybody else is doing. And here's the thing. My answers are going to be different. My answers to questions that he gets are going to be different than his, some of his friends' answers to questions. And he's going to have to live with that, and I'm going to have to live with that. And I think we've got to be very comfortable as parents with a little rift between our kids. 
I know that sounds, you know, different, but we're not supposed to be their friends anyways. Right. Sure. Because we don't have the same relationship with us that they have with them that they have with us. But we, we have to be a little bit comfortable with there being animosity, there being a little resentment because I didn't let them do something. It will go away. It will absolutely go away. But we got to be comfortable saying no, handling that for a little bit and being okay with it and not giving in because, oh, this stinks. This feels awkward. This feels different. I don't like this. Um, I think we got to, as parents, we got to get used to that if we want them to be different. And you said that on a previous podcast that um, it's good it's good for them to do things that they don't want to do. And it's good for them not to get to do things they that want they do, do want to do. Because that, that's life, and that's part of life. But I think it's brilliant, your idea of, okay, we, we want to reach out to some kids. Maybe there's some kids on the ball team that don't know Jesus. Well, you don't want to, you don't want to send Nicholas into that person's house with all that person's friends where he's in the majority, and then he, he's going to be easily in Majority or minority? Minority. Did I say majority? You said majority. majority. I, was, I didn't know if that was a – I like to mix <laughs> words together sometimes. I didn't know if you were making up a word. I like that. No, but I like the idea of keep him in the majority of the Christian kids, but then let's reach out to another. Let, let's bring him in to where that kid's not going to negatively influence everybody else. The, there's enough positive strength in there. There's enough light. What I, what I told Lindsay is I was like, if, if there's more light, they won't, the darkness won't overtake it. If there's, more a, darkness, oh, yeah. the dar- if there's more darkness than light, I feel like the darkness can overtake the light. And, and listen, this was a shift two or three years ago in my thinking, because I was like, no. Certain kids I knew, I was like, nip, not here. You know, don't want them at the house. Mm-hmm. And by the way, a lot of times unfairly, I mean, just I have a snippet of their life in 30 seconds of something. So I, I just, and, and I don't know, I don't really know, but I also. It's easy to form an opinion about somebody. Yeah, but I also don't yeah. want to take a gamble yeah. because it, I don't want to take a gamble with any of that stuff because it's not, it's not important enough to take a gamble on. It's not, but I, but I have learned with Nicholas because we have airsoft. I'm like, dude. I will buy all the pizzas you want. You, y'all can play airsoft all day long. They're outside. I love it. Love outside playing. We'll buy tons of pizzas. But, you know, there, there is a couple of names that I know will be there. And there's a couple of names that I know need to be there before we start having, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten people. And, and Nicholas has a small group that's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's crazy good. They meet before school on Friday and for an hour before school. They meet... They go to church every Wednesday together. They go to church on Sunday. I mean, they're with each other a lot. They they have a text message feed. Um, they they have unbelievable. They do an unbelievable job together. It's a, and that for, and that group, by the way. And I told Whit Smith's mom this the other day, Mary Ellen. I said this group has grown together like this. And I said that doesn't happen without your sons. Tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's all all things work for good. And I think we got like we got to remember that like God is for us, no matter where we're at mm-hmm. in our life. God is for us, right where we're at right now, right where we're at. We're there for a reason. God is for us. He's not against us. He's yeah. not. He's not. He's not for bad things. Like you look at, you look at Peter, and I think it's so cool to watch Peter. Peter did what? Peter told Jesus, "Nah, I'm 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 not gonna de- like I'm not gonna mess up. Like who who would do that to you? Who would deny? Who would deny you? Who would do like who would nobody would do that? Especially me. Like especially Peter denies Jesus three times. Jesus appears to Peter. Uh, Jesus appears to Peter. What did he ask him? Do you love me? Not once, 
Not twice, three times. The third time, what does Peter do? Starts weeping. Yeah, he says, you know I love you. You know I love you. He's crying. He's upset because he's, you know I love you. Okay? And then what happens with Peter throughout the rest of his story? The, the church is built on Peter preaching and changing lives. But I don't think if Peter, if Peter didn't experience the low point, he would, have never, he would have never built his relationship and never been able to reach all those other people. If Peter hadn't been brought down to being the inner circle of Jesus, the man, you know, one of the three, like this dude was the man. Like he was, Jesus would, he would counsel with him and talk to him. He's one of the men. And Jesus is, and what does Peter do? As soon as he denies Jesus, goes back to fishing, goes right back to his old life. And I think then Jesus appears to him he has sorrow, but more importantly, now he can relate to everybody else. Mm. Like now when he preaches, he can be like, I've been there. I have denied the Lord. I have denied Jesus three times. Like I have so messed up so many times. And now this is what I'm doing in his name. Mm. Like, I mean, that's some powerful stuff, man. Very, very, very powerful. I want to, I want to go back to something you said earlier about, the majority and the minority and, and the light and the darkness. One of the guys in my discipleship group asked me, he said, if Jesus was a friend of sinners and Jesus was always with the the downcast and the down, you know, why why is it important for us to be like in, in fellowship? Like in, because in, I'm always saying, hey, you become like the people you spend time yeah. with. It's so important. And he, he was re- really struggling over that. I think a lot of people have this, have this, misunderstanding that Jesus was hanging out in bars and who was his disciples you know, it was the disciples were always <laughs> all the time him. and so they have this party at at Matthew's house that Levi becomes Matthew but and he invites all his buddies but they're bringing buddies lost people onto Jesus turf nope. on, onto their turf and the way I explain it uh, to the guy in my group is We've got one hand in, in the circle, our discipleship group. We're encouraging each other. We're strengthening each other, each other. We're, you know, iron sharpening, iron fellowship, holding each other accountable. But then we have another hand reaching out, pulling people in. So oh, we're not that. going out. And even, even the Apostle Paul, he spent three years in Tarsus being discipled and growing before he is strong enough to go out and do his ministry. So that's what I was telling him. Like, you got, y'all are getting strong right now. And I'm training y'all up, but eventually you guys are going to be the, be the ones to go out. But we're not going, we're not parachuting into the darkness all, all by ourselves. We're, we, we've got to stay in, in, the, in the light and bring other people in the light. But we do have to go into the dark places. But you don't, we do. You don't, don't go, stay there. You don't go in by yourself. I well, mean, you don't spend the night. That's good. <laughs> you, go in the dark, you go in the dark places when it's daylight and you visit, and then you, then you leave. Yeah. You don't, you don't go spend the that night. That is good. Well, I think Jesus said said that, didn't he? Yeah. During the day. So what what would you tell a guy who, okay, I'm supposed to teach my kids the word of God, but I don't know the word of God to teach my kids the word of God. Mm-mm. So what do you? I'm not the good one to ask this because there's no excuse. <laughs> I mean. No, but how, how would they do? I mean, how would they learn the word of God if they don't know the word of God? What, I would, mean, what, it, what would you tell them to do? There, there, there's no, I say there's no excuse because everybody has this on them. They got their phones on them. And the, it, the Bible will read itself to you in your car. You I've, can, I've been doing that. I've been, you, I've been listening to the Bible in the car. You can, you, can, you can find any podcast you want on the word of God. You can go to church. Like, you can find anything you want right here. 
And all that's going to take is you rolling up your sleeves and making a decision to do it. You got to learn it. Like, but, but this thing will preach it to you. Preachers will preach it to you. Articles are un, unlimited online that you can find. References are unlimited online that you can find. You just got to, you got to make a decision that you want to do that. Now, listen, I think it's also, again, it's, it's a powerful thing to be like, look, I'm learning like kids. I got to do a better, like, I, I have to, I have to tell this to mine a lot because it creates accountability. Like I got to do a better job doing this. I told him that with the Roman road. Like I talked about, I've got to do a better job teaching. I've got to do a better job learning. Like I told Nicholas, because I told you about his reading. I was like, I got to do a better job reading like you do. I mean, that's not a fun thing to say to your kid. Like he reads better than I do. He reads more than I do. Like I got to do a better job of that. I got time. I need to make time to do it. And so I think that, um, yeah, my, my thought would be for the guy out there who doesn't know what to do and he wants to learn the Bible. My huge suggestion is to find, find somebody someone. who can teach you. So find, get into a small group. I mean, get into a small group with an older Christian. They don't even have to be older in age, but they've just been a Christian for longer. They can teach you, so then you in turn can go and teach your kid. And that's what's happened in our discipleship group. Like these guys are, they're growing, they're learning, and they're taking what we're, they're learning, passing on their kids. Yep. So. I shared this the other day in church, but my my buddy who has the podcast, The Road to Redemption, he he ends the podcast with three things. Open the Word of God, find a Christ-centered church, join a small group. I can't, I can't think of any better. So we're, we're to teach our kids. We're to train our kids. So we're to show them we're, we're to be a model example. More is caught than taught. And then Proverbs 22, 6 says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. So we're to teach them, we're to train them, and we're to let them go. And to me, like letting them go is the hardest part. I'm not there yet. So I think I can't speak at all with authority because you've already done that. But I'm 100% certain of this. If you never let them go, they can't come back. I'm 100% sure of that. If you keep staying in a position where they need you, they need you, they need you, they need you, and you don't let them go and do their thing, there is no coming back. They're still attached to you, for goodness sake. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but we've got to, we've got to find ways. And, and 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 I'll be honest. I'll be completely honest. I think when it comes to parenting, to me, the easiest years by far is the beginning discipline, setting a foundation. The middle years can get a little bit tricky, but now 14 and 12 middle school years, they're, they're, they're way harder. And, but, but I, and I have to do, I've had to do a better job of instead of this is why I do it. This is how it's done. That doesn't work anymore. Like my voice and my intimidation can't be my, my, the way I parent, like, cause that is going to go away. Like, and, and, and explaining one thing to Leah the other day, because Leah gives us lip, Leah will talk back. And I, and I just said, there's a big difference between honor and obedience. There's a huge difference. Honor thy mother and father. Obedience, Leah, is doing something. I can do something out of obedience and have a horrible attitude. I'm doing it to do it. I said, when you honor me, when you honor your mother, because you love us and because you respect us and honor honoring us is doing it with a good attitude and doing it for us. Like there's a big difference. And as they get older, we want honor, not obedience. 
We don't want you, you, you have to do this. You, we want them to want to do things for us and want to plug into and want them to come back. But we've got to let them go slowly with your ping pong analogy that you didn't remember. Mm-hmm. I told you about weeks ago, yeah. like you hit it. And obviously there's we don't small things, small consequences. You don't cut them loose. You, they don't hand you car keys at 16 and go, yeah, have at it. Have fun. There's big consequences for that, right? You get your learners at 15. You learn to drive. You learn to drive with one person, you know, family members. Like you've got to learn and you've got to learn to let them go. But that age, if you you have to start letting them go because they're going to be out of your house at some point in the near future, you know, depending on how old they are from middle school for me. And if you haven't started to relinquish and started to let go, then it's, it's going to be even harder on you. I think we probably ought to do a, a podcast series on – seasons of parenting yeah and i think what you're moving into when they're younger as you said you're teaching you're teaching you're teaching discipline it's a discipline years doing it because of you no but once they get into middle school and then especially in the high school i think nicholas is is moving into high school he's gonna have to develop a faith of his own yep it's got to become his own because when he goes off to college or military whatever he ends up doing if it's only a faith based upon mom and dad. We're only going to church because mom and dad are making me go and whatever. But he's got to develop a faith of his own, and then he has his own convictions. Yep. He has his own. Like he he's studying the Bible, or he's having a squat time because he wants to do it. He has a relationship with God. Like he's he's wanting to save himself for marriage because that's what. God is leading him to do, not just because this is what my parents did, because because it if if your convictions are shaky, and I, I like to illustrate it with a say a post-it note. So it's, so if everything's just a post-it note when you go off to college, well that post-it note's not going to stick. He it's got to be hand, it's got to be nailed in, like chiseled be, in. It's got to be his convictions, yep. like like he believe he has a relationship with God he's walking with God he he knows what he believes he he has his character and his morals and and his convictions not because mom and dad are wanting me to live my life this way but because because I, I'm following the word of God like this is it's in his heart it's renewing his mind it's it's his relationship with God yep. not your relationship with God and and I think the only way that happens is if they have church god outside of with just with you right like the they got a text feed dudes that love jesus you know and that's their that's their text feed and their friday morning group that i've talked about on here a lot like they've got to have it can't just be driven by us all the time they've got to have those other outlets and and i think it's important and and i'll say this to all middle school parents and high school parents that's why i think it's so important to have other men in their lives Mm -hmm. i mean other people like I've talked to Colton who's the youth pastor and he was like I want to meet with you and Nicholas and I was like dude I want you to just meet with Nicholas that's awesome like I need you to meet with Nicholas and you talk to him and let him get outside of me he doesn't need me in there like I don't think he needs he's already got you he's got me I I was like we do plenty I was like we do plenty and he hears from me plenty I was like I need him to hear it from you I got a text feed with a couple of other dads I got three or four other text feeds with dad, son, dad, son. So Nicholas's best friend, his dad, me and him. And we send scripture and stuff back and forth. He's hearing it from another man. 
got another one with another best friend of his, dad, son, dad, son, um, back and forth, back and forth, like hearing it, hearing it from other people, I think reaffirms it, secures it in their, in their hearts and their heads. And then they, then it's their decision to continue to work together and their decision to continue to meet. But outside of, outside of me, I try to, I'm trying to do a, a job of, I'm, I, I really, in my, this season of life, I really want to step out. Like, I want to step back from coaching him. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about high school football this next year because he's going to be in ninth grade, and I just don't want to be in his way. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to be, he's worried about me looking at him. He's worried about, I'm going to be like, dude, I'm coaching another position. I'm not even watching you. I don't even see it. Yeah. You know, like it's a hard thing. I love I love that he's in this group on Friday mornings because it's outside of church. It's outside of the normal student Wednesday night because you're part of church. You're part of Wednesday night. Yep. And I, I, I've shared over with Jolin over the years, Nate Rector met with Jolin and all his buddies on Friday mornings, middle school, high school, and most of that, that core group of kids, most of them are still walking with God. And they're, they're in their mid-20s now. And I, I attribute it back to that group. I mean, yes, you grew up in church and all that. But that I think having that group, it's a choice. Yeah. They, they can, and they want to get so up. Like church isn't a choice. Student ministry isn't a choice. But that's a choice. Yeah. And, and they, it's and before school. He loves it. And he yeah. every single Thursday night is like, yeah, we got group tomorrow. And take him, drop him off. And mm-hmm. got another, I mean, that's, a, that's definitely finding things like that that they – choose to plug into they choose to be a part of they choose to get identity over you know that's it's theirs it's there it's theirs that they can continue to grow it and develop it however they want yes yeah, so just to wrap it up dad's the spiritual leader we're to teach them we're to train them and then we send them out and hopefully when when we send them out they have a faith of their own thank you for listening to this week's family goals podcast with davy pollock and pastor jay Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that come from the Lord. And if you commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. So guys, we can teach our children all that we want, but if we don't model it, it will not work. You have to set that example. Your kids will be more open to teaching and willing to learn if you are setting that example. Are you in scripture every day? Are you memorizing scripture? Are you praying? Are you modeling that Christian walk for your kids? Growing up, I saw my dad studying the word of God, praying and memorizing, really, really, really living out this Christian walk. So I got to see it firsthand and I wanted to be just like my dad. So when he tried to instruct me, I was willing to listen. I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to pray. I wanted to memorize scripture because I wanted to be like my dad. What is the model that you're setting for your kids? There are endless, endless, endless resources about how we can learn the word of God. The Bible app, listening to pastors, podcasts, the list goes on and on. Pastor Jay said three steps that he learned from one of his buddies on his podcast. And he said, he said this, open the word of God. Find a Christ-centered church and join a small group. I encourage you to do whatever it takes to model your life after Jesus so that your kids will see it and replicate it in their lives. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. If you found this episode helpful, encouraging, or entertaining, 
please let us know by subscribing to the podcast or by writing a review. You can also reach us on Instagram and Twitter at Family Goals Pod. Thank you again for listening to the Family Goals Podcast, and we'll catch you next week.